Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The playoffs are back and the Astros are back in the ALDS after a miracle weekend. Blummer's off this week, so Mike Stanton fills in to help us fill out our rotation and get this party started. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 92 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, broadcasting from the beautiful San Juan Mountains in Southern Colorado. For once, uh, I am not stuck in rainy, hot, humid Houston. My partner, Jeff Blum, <laughs> is off today and in his place. The yeah, absolute this is not fan- Jeff Blum. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In his place, the fantastic Mike Stanton. Mike, welcome. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Yes, we are getting some rain down here, but it is much, much needed. And I have to say, you are looking great in your Taylor Swift hoodie. Thank you. That's right. My goddaughter <laughs> and her mom purchased this for me on the Ares tour. And nice. I swear, it's like 45 degrees outside, and it is literally the warmest thing I have on this trip because I'm an idiot. Oh, so you're just rubbing and it I don't in. prepare just well. In. <laughs> yeah, it is. But look, hey, I'm wrapped up in Taylor Swift, so that can't all can't be all bad. Um, before we dig there into uh, last week's craziness that happened with um, with the Astros, I want to talk just mm-hmm. a little bit about the Space City Home Network um, that yeah. is now coming. I'm really fascinated by this. You know, I, I did a lot of writing about the CS in Houston uh, sort of debacle mm-hmm. that happened ten years ago. And um, I was really happy to see this development because I think it's going to be great for the fans. I think it's going to be great for the teams having control over that content. Um, Obviously, it officially launches October the 10th next week, but uh, there will be pre and post game, as I understand it, for the Astros games. Um, How are you feeling about all that? You're going to be involved a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in your end. Jeff, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, this is something that I think we've been missing here in Houston for a long time. Uh, You know, I've been doing pre and post game and the broadcast uh, for multiple networks now covering the Astros, and we've never done this. It's always been the regular season's over, move on to basketball. And, uh, you know, this. so this is going to be special. And, you know, Space City Home Network, uh, it's uh, going to be really fascinating to see what the final product looks like. There's not going to be a whole lot of changes here at the beginning, just simply because, uh, you know, changing ownership is is enough of a change. So, but yes, yes one of the first things that came up was, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to do a post game. Uh, we're going to there's going to be post game analysis after each and every postseason game for the Astros. So hopefully they go all the way and win the World Series. Then we'll have lots of post games. 
I I cannot be more excited about this. I've you know I've been a fan of of Houston sports networks. Mm-hmm. I remember when it started with HSE back when I was just a wee tot. Oh yeah, um, I say right. that even though that's a joke. Um, but uh, I, I you know I think I'm I'm just a big fan of the analysis because then fans have somewhere to go that isn't just MLB Network you know or Fox Jeff, broadcasters. You have no idea. So our set out there in center field, right next to the the brew house, yeah. the Budweiser brew house, you know, we talk to the fans, obviously all the time they're standing around us and they, they are not big fans of the national broadcast. They don't, um, you don't you know, say. in game, you understand, but especially the post game, they just, you know, why don't you guys do it? Why? Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're trying, we're, but we just haven't been able to get there and here we are. So, yeah, I think that this is going to be a big, big hit. Uh, and, and so, you know, what do you have to do? You, you go and watch the game on whichever network it might be playing on. As soon as the game's over, you come to uh, you come to Space City Home Network and uh, there we will be. I think it's really great, too, that the that they've done it now, because one of the big problems with CSN Houston was the carriage agreements with the local network with AT&T and with Xfinity and all that. They, they struggled to oh, get all that nightmare. to work. Nightmare. It was terrible. And so now they already have those agreements in place until 2035. So it's just smooth right. sailing. It, nothing cha- the only thing that changes are yeah. really the programming, which is great. Yeah, for the phone for for the fan base, the only thing that's going to change is you know the title in the yeah. corner. It's not going to be AT and T anymore. Now it's going to be Space City Home Network, and and that's really going to be it. Now over time, yes, there's probably going to be some changes, but we'll just have to wait and see what those changes may be. But uh, yeah, we're really excited. Uh, you know, right there at the end of the regular season, we heard Todd and Jeff on the broadcast talk about this, uh, and and we're you know. This is something we've been hoping for for a long time, and it finally came to fruition. I'm hoping for some really weird programming, too, from the local networks. I mean, maybe, hey, maybe a <laughs> local broadcaster slap us or like, you know, uh, some kind of interesting. All right. Here's, here's a thought. Now, here's a thought. I'm going to say once a year, broadcaster swap. Let the Rockets guys call an Astros game. Let the Astros guys call a Rockets game. I would like to hear Todd. I don't Callis know how Todd and Jeff are going to be okay with that. I, well, you know, he's got the big voice coming from his dad and everything, but yes. I think that sport happens a lot faster than baseball does. Oh. So yeah, it does. I, that would Although be now uh, with the, now with the pitch knows? clock. Who knows what happens? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, now with the right? pitch clock, yeah. though, you know, you never now know. The biggest problem well, is getting in all those live reads. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Absolutely no <laughs> doubt. I'm sure Craig Ackerman could probably be fine with the uh, with the Astros broadcast. He probably wouldn't know what to do right. with himself, not being able to talk as much as he did. Um, way so too much time. Talk, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about this past weekend because, look, I've been watching baseball and Houston sports for a very long time, um, mm-hmm. and that was one of the craziest end weekends I've ever seen when you consider that any of three teams at one point could have either been out of the postseason, Seattle Mariners, could have been right. the wild card, Texas Rangers, could have won the division, Astros. And it, it, it all unfolded literally. on. Now, granted, Seattle was out by Saturday. But on Sunday, mm-hmm. we literally had, like within a couple of hours, the change of from the Rangers losing and the Astros winning – that was insane. Have you ever seen anything that's that crazy at game day 162? 
so I think you go back to, was it 2011 where we had just sheer chaos right, right at the end? You know, one of the things that I really liked that, that Major League Baseball did, and they did it years ago, that they have all the games start at the same time. Yeah, so that's a West sm- Coast so team or a West Coast game doesn't have an advantage over an East Coast game. So I thought that's, that's something that should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but if you remember that year, that was the year that I think um, – Jonathan Papelbon blew a save uh, yes. in the ninth inning when he was with the Red Sox. Yes. Uh, and I think just a couple minutes after that, um, Evan Lagoria hit a home run for Tampa to put them into the playoffs and knock the Red Sox nice. out. I mean, it was, it was, and, and that's something that I think Major League Baseball has been trying to duplicate since then for years and i've always been an advocate i want sheer chaos i want i want <laughs> nothing to be determined until the last out of the last game uh just as a baseball fan now as an astros fan that's a little bit different but right. you know uh the weekend was nothing short of spectacular i mean you know going into was it going into saturday i think there were still 11 different scenarios nine of those had the astros making the postseason but it couldn't have yes. worked out better for the astros I mean, this is exactly what uh, Astros fans and the organization really wanted. You know, they they wanted to win the division so you could have that time off. You could set up your pitching staff. You can yeah. give some guys a little bit of a breather. Uh, not the biggest fan of five days off, but, you know, you got to get the games in. I, I think that uh, this worked out as perfectly as Astros fans and the Astros organization could have possibly wanted. I, this was, uh, uh, and then and then also the way it happened. You know, the the game yeah. there in Arizona, Bregman hits the two run home run in the first inning, uh, and that takes all the pressure off you in the uh, in that particular game. Uh, now the other game on the other side, man, that went all the way down to it, a one nothing <laughs> loss, and uh, you got to tip your cap. Seattle could have just <sighs> yeah. folded up camp. They got knocked out on Saturday night, but I think they came to the park with a little bit of an edge. They did not want to let those Texas Rangers win that division. Nobody wanted them to win the division, but I think in fairness to (laughs) Seattle, they did sort of pull their guys in about the fifth or sixth inning. About the and, fifth inning. The fifth and I think inning. I, yes. I think everybody was a little worried that it's like, uh-oh. And then they come in with like a rookie pitcher who just – and the Rangers look. I'm not going to say they yes. chose. I'm not going to use the word choke because I would. I've already said it twice, but I'm not going to use it again. But I will say they pop their <laughs> champagne corks a little prematurely. That's the only thing I'll say. They seem to. You know, we weren't we weren't in the clubhouse on Saturday night, but mm-hmm. there seemed to be a pretty good celebration. Now, did that have anything to do with Sunday? Only those players can tell you. You know, uh, right. whether I don't know how much, you know, uh, adult <laughs> beverages were consumed or anything like that. Uh, but it did seem like they had maybe just slightly lost a little bit focus on the big picture. And that was one of the great things about the Astros. When the Astros finally clinched, you know, Justin Verlander said it best. Yeah, we're going to have a muted celebration. And I agree yep. with that. I was, I'm was i someone that was blessed to play in 11 straight postseasons. I was involved in a lot of, uh, a lot of celebrations, some crazier than others. But, you know, going through the late 90s, New York Yankees, you know, winning three straight World Series, we still celebrated because you don't ever want to take those for granted. Because you never know if you're ever going to make it back. So you want to make sure that, you know, you give what's due to what you've already done. 
but you also have to make sure you keep your eye on the big picture that you know what's coming up and i think that's what the astros were able to do this was step one with them winning the division this was step one of four now it was the biggest step. That's the hardest part is making the postseason. You know, you play for six months, 162 mm-hmm. games, all the trials and tribulations, all the injuries, uh, everything that they went through. Uh, I think that's why this this divisional title may be sweeter <clears throat> than some of the other ones, just simply because you had to seriously work for this one. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think it was what was interesting to me is with that celebration going on on both ends. I mean, I don't blame the Rangers for doing what they did. I think, you know, Not at all. I, I think Not at people, all. you know, who cares? Like party it up. But it is really important, like you said, that you just the Astros. The thing that I think is, is separates the Astros from so many teams going into this and certainly this year because of all the teams that are in this year that haven't been in previously mm-hmm. is that they they really do understand the moment. They they're you know I saw some things saying that like by far they have more playoff experience in their players than any other team in the postseason. Sure. Not even close. So you can tell they're they're pretty even keel about it because they're like okay well this is one as you said one of four and yeah. they still have some work to get done so they're going to take the take it easy but you know I can't we can't help but take a little few little pokes at the at the Rangers especially right. if we might end up well, facing I, them probably. Yeah, it, it, it probably was, you know, just uh, it didn't help the situation there in Seattle that, well, they were in Seattle. You know, that game started right. at noon, which is, yeah, I think there's only one other, I think it's Patriots Day in Boston where they run the marathon. They actually start a game at noon. Everything else starts at one o'clock. So it's even earlier than you do all season long. So uh, right. that did not help the situation uh and listen they were one swing away i mean it was a one nothing game yeah the the rookie i can't remember the kid's name they came in uh he ended up i think walking three and getting out of it um so they had their opportunities they just could not get that hit that they needed uh and bottom line is they still made the playoffs and you know they're in the driver's seat right now after beating tampa tampa played their worst game maybe ever that Last was night, I mean, three, four errors. Uh, I heard on the broadcast, I was listening to it. I didn't get to see it, but it, there were a couple plays that could have also been called errors. Uh, yeah. They didn't hit well. They didn't pitch well. It was just a, a horrendous, horrendous game for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, you're also talking about a team with, <clears throat> that's, got, that's got a big pedigree there also that has a lot of playoff experience. But I, to go back to the Astros, yes. I mean, this, these guys realize what the ultimate goal is, and that's to win the World Series, to win back-to-back. And, and um, you know, I thought that they did a good job of, 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 of giving the season its due, but not overdoing it to where you couldn't uh, you couldn't perform the next day. What's the old saying? I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Well, right. yeah, we all got the T-shirts. <laughs> exactly. Act like you've been there. I tell you, too, Tampa Bay, 19,000 fans, I think. Man, they're getting a yeah, new stadium. I don't think anything's going to fix that they until are. they get out of St. Pete. And I've always, thought, I've always thought that the problem that Tampa <clears throat> has is the location of the stadium. It is impossible. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to uh, the I Trop. Have, I've been to the stadium, but I've been past to. it. And this, yeah, I've been past yeah. it, and it's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm no longer hate it. He, he talks about it all the time. East. 
See, I don't. I, as as far as the stadium is concerned, I really didn't have a, a problem with it. I'd much rather yeah, play no, in that, that stadium than play okay. outside in Central Florida. But <sighs> it's just the freaking location. My gosh, you cannot get from Tampa, and that's where you know that's where a large portion of the fan base should be coming from. You know, there's there's right. two bridges. You just can't, you just can't get to St. Pete. It's un, yeah, that's kind of unbelievable. We'll we'll see if they have uh, do better today. Um, now that the Astros have got some rest, like you mentioned, they'll be able to set up their rotation. A lot of talk about this. It's going to yes. be Fromber JV, JV Fromber, you know, one of those two first. And then probably Christian Javier, who's pitched really well lately, but has had kind of a right. rough season. Um, <clears throat> and I guess they probably have to think about maybe it's going to be JP France um, uh, coming out as their fourth guy. Where do you stand on on what their rotation is mm-hmm. going to be, and for that matter, who's? I mean, we sure Keedy's going to come out of the bullpen. Is Hunter Brown coming out of the bullpen? So I think, and I have the zero inside information here. I think it's JV, right. it's Verlander, Fromber. Uh, then I think it's going to be Christian because Christian has pitched some big, big games. He's thrown the ball well. His two of his last three starts have been very good. Um, and then from there, man, ah, it's probably, I mean, JP France deserves it. I mean, he's actually been the right. most conser- consistent pitcher the Astros have had all season. And we also yeah. know that Hunter Brown can come out of the bullpen. We, we saw that in the yep. postseason last year. And his his stuff will play up coming out of the bullpen. So, uh, and then, yes, Arkady, another guy, threw the ball, came really out of nowhere. I mean, just absolutely shoved in game one of that Arizona series. Uh, so you, you got to like the fact that all these guys threw the ball well. Um and you got kind of a log jam in the starting rotation. It's a good problem to have. Nonetheless, yeah. it's still a problem. You still have to figure it out. Uh, but I think it's probably JP France in the fourth spot, just simply because he is he has been so consistent. He really deserves it. I think so too. And plus, if you've got your Keating and Hunter Brown, you can always piggyback um, on the you know when, you, when sure. you have that. If you got if. If he's struggling a little bit, you know, you can bring somebody else in pretty quick and uh, and you've got right. somebody that can go long relief. So I, I think it seems like the logical choice. And you're right, Hunter Brown can come out of the bullpen. His stuff definitely plays mm-hmm. out of the bullpen, especially that heat. So I think you're right. I think that's probably yeah. the best no, rotation, he's gonna which throw, is going to make the bullpen that real interesting. No doubt, no doubt. With the time off that they've had now, um, you're going to – I think with, with Hunter, you're going to see the fastball tick up. You know, we know he can throw, you know, 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. We don't see it all that often as a starting pitcher, but as a reliever, yeah, he can, he doesn't, there's no finesse involved. Not that there's a whole lot of finesse in his game anyways, but you know, he's a grip it and rip it. Now he can really let it eat for an inning or two. And that can be, I, uh, I, I like to use the phrase, the super reliever. You know, the guy that can come in in the sixth inning and give you, you know, two good solid innings, kind of long relief a little bit, but they're leverage innings. And Hunter Brown is, you know, we saw him, we saw him do it last year. I think that could be a really nice role for him if he's not going to be in the rotation. 
Well, super reliever is a good way of putting it because it, it, it is different from your regular guys. And look, the Astros relief yeah. core is really good. I mean, this is a very good group of dudes. I mean, when you've got Brian, you know, when you've got Brian Abreu and Hector Neris and Ryan Presley and mm-hmm. those guys, you've got very solid end of the game uh, relief core that has been fantastic, you know, the entire season. Yeah. One so of having the things an extra that guy, I've always liked. Oh, never have too much pitching ever. But yeah, what exactly. I've always liked about you, even go back in the day, you know, when this run, this golden age of Astros baseball started, one of the things I really liked about their bullpen was the diversity that they had in the bullpen. That, you yeah. know, everybody's not throwing 98 miles an hour. Everybody's not a forcing fastball slider guy, you know, and even if it is pretty heavy right handed, okay, that's fine. But none of those dudes throw the ball the same. You know, if you bring in Abreu after Naris, they're not the same dudes. They got different release points. No. They have different stuff. And so I, I think that that's something that the Astros have really been cognizant over the years. I hope that's the case. If not, they've kind of just been lucky with the diversity that they've had. <laughs> right. But, you know, we've seen that in the Texas Rangers bullpen in the past, that everybody that comes out of the bullpen is throwing 98, um, and they're all four-seam fastball guys. And, you know, as a, as a hitter, it's not really that big of a deal because, yeah, they're different, you know, different delivery, different release point. But, you know, you don't have somebody coming in, you know, like a, uh, like a Hunter Brown that's coming in throwing a big hammer curveball. You know, they were all right. using kind of the same arsenal. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I think, you know, when you look, you're exactly right. And I think that's a really good point to make um, because when you look at a guy like Phil Maton, you know, he's a guy that doesn't throw in the upper 90s. Then you get to Abreu, and he's a guy that's going to push 100. Um, and you've got right. Naris and then Presley with the big hook. Um, these are guys that all do pitch differently. And you're right about the release point, too. I think that's a really uh, valid point for this bullpen and probably why they've been so successful. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, you know, it, when when you can – you know, and one of the complaints, you know, the Astros, you know, Sousa threw the ball really well at the end of the season. And I think he's mm-hmm. a, he's got uh, a real shot of being a big part of this this right. bullpen next year um, is that they don't have any real left handers that there's. But, you know, if you have a guy like Naris that has the dirty split finger fastball, uh, you know, he nullifies left handed pitchers. Or I'm sorry, left-handed left-handed hitters. So yeah. you know, when you have something like that, that a guy maybe has reverse splits, meaning he 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 pitches better, a right-hander pitches better against left-handers than he does right-handers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something that you can take going forward. And you gotta love the fact that there's also swing and miss stuff down there. Yeah. And that's I think that's where Hunter Brown really can uh really can help this team is that you're talking about big time swing and miss stuff coming out of the bullpen to add to the guys that already have swing and miss stuff. So yeah, I think it's a it's a little bit of a case of maybe the rich get richer with with Hunter Brown going into the pen. And and credit to Josh Miller for really capitalizing on the ability to throw down and in to lefties, you know, and be aggressive mm-hmm. on the inner part of the plate, um, you know, where a lot of teams just don't want to challenge lefties. Um, <clears throat> and the Astros have said, listen, we haven't had a left-handed bullpen guy. We haven't, you know, other than Framber Valdez, right. we haven't had a, a lot of lefties in the starting rotation. So let's find a way to attack left-handed hitters 
with our right-handed pitchers. And they've been very successful with Brent Strom before him. And now with Josh Miller, they've been very successful at that. Well, yeah, Josh, you know, Josh kind of tutored under Brent Strom. So a lot of this you can actually is got directly related to to Stromy. And Josh has done a wonderful job the last couple of seasons as the Astros pitching coach. But, you know, what they've done is and this is the this is the I think this is one of the problems the Astros have had offensively is, you know, this is a copycat league. And what I mean by that is if yeah. somebody has some success, everybody else is going to try it. That's why everybody's doing analytics now. You know, no one has an advantage analytically because everybody has an analytics department. And what we saw from the Astros, you know, five, six years ago was, and this was coming from Brent Strom and now Josh Miller's doing it, uh, is really selling the pitchers on the fact that hitters hit fastballs. And yes, you still have to use your fastball, but we've seen fastball usage go way, way down across the league. And so what are you attacking with? You're attacking with your off-speed stuff. You're throwing your your slider for a strike. You've got the curveball. You're throwing the split or change or whatever it is. I mean, for the first time in baseball history last year, we had more off-speed pitches thrown than fastballs. First time ever. The fastball usage was down below 50%. Why? Well, pretty simple. Hitters hit fastballs and so that's what we're seeing whether it's a reliever or a fastball i mean you see abreu abreu's out there throwing 100 miles an hour he still attacks with his slider you know because hitters just don't hit good breaking balls and you have to do that too because even with fastballs you've got to locate i mean you throw you know those riding fastballs are like the invisible with christian javier those can work Mm -hmm. because of the level that they're at. But so many times it does seem like, especially this year that your guys are setting players up with the fastball and coming back with the breaking pitch or the off speed pitch as their, you know, as their closeout pitch. And it's, it's your, yeah. I did not realize that statistic until you just pointed it out, but it makes a lot of sense, you know, let change because you want to, obviously you're changing eye level, you're changing speed. Right. And if you can wipe them out with a breaking pitch after giving them all those heaters, yeah. then that makes well, a lot the, of sense. The reason, and, and, that, and you don't see the other thing that you don't see in major league baseball, you don't see a whole lot of two seam fastballs anymore. You know, everybody throws the yeah. four seam fastball riding at the top. And that's because of the, the mechanics of the big league swing now, you know, trying to create launch angle, you've got an uppercut swing. uh, And, and with that, but that's, I think that's also why Altuve is one of the few true high ball hitters in baseball. Bregman, when he's right, right, is another guy that hits, hits the high pitch very well. And that kind of just goes into how everyone is attacking, you know, pitchers pitch more North and South now than East and West. They throw the fastball at the top of the zone. Then they throw their off speed stuff down below the zone. So, um, you know, but this is, again, it's a copycat league. And I think one of the problems Hmm. to go back to the Astros, one of the problems the Astros have had offensively is now you have everybody in the league attacking the Astros hitters, like the Astros pitchers have attacked everybody else in the league. And so it's just kind of come full circle. That's just how it works. You just got to be good enough. If you can be good enough to do it, then you should definitely do it. it. You just got to be good enough. You got to execute. So speaking (laughs) of the offense, um, it seems pretty clear the lineup's going to be structured pretty much the way we've seen it at the end of the year. We'll see Mauricio Dubon probably playing center when JV's out there. Otherwise, you'll have either Brantley or Jordan in left field. On the days that Dubon's out there, Brantley's Mm -hmm. probably going to – get the day off and uh, you off the bench. Jordan's going to DH 
if he's not in left field. But I do think it's interesting that their bench depth now is going to be really good because um, they've had to play a lot of these guys throughout the year. They've played guys yeah. that they really haven't, you know, they've with injuries and whatever else. I mean, Javon's been fantastic. Um, of course, we know Yiner Diaz and and all of the situation there, the catcher of the future. Um, I'm kind of mm-hmm. wondering with their postseason roster like that, how much advantage does that give a team if they have a deep bench? Because we don't, I mean, obviously with the DH, we don't see as many substitutions as you would, you know, prior to the DH. Right. Uh, it really depends on each individual team's roster. You know, if you have a bunch of everyday players that, you know, they go out there and they, they play 145, 150 games, um, then you're probably not going to do a whole lot of pinch hitting when you get to the playoffs either, because those are your dudes. The Astros are a little bit different. You know, whether it's whether it's Jake Myers, um, uh, Chaz McCormick, you know, these guys have played and Chaz has been great, but these guys have really platooned uh, along with Mauricio mm-hmm. Dubon. And I think what that does is that just gives those players that much more of the ability to hit in these situations because, you know, they have more at bats than other bench players. Um. You yeah. know, I think there's there, they would I would really like to see and I don't know how he does it. I mean, this is another one of those. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, it's a it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Uh, Yiner Diaz get as many at bats as he can because this dude can really hit whether it's drive Man. the ball all the way around the field, whether it's, you know, just hit the ball to right field for a base hit or turn on a ball and drive it out of the ballpark. Um, how do you that? How does that happen? Well, I don't know because now with especially with michael brantley back uh he's shown that you know as long as he is healthy this dude can still hit just as good as anybody in that lineup and the quality of that bat has just been uh through the through the roof so it's going to be interesting to see exactly what these lineups look like but uh you know once you get you know once you get into the playoffs now it's about the team winning at all costs. And, right. you know, I think even players on the bench, you go into it with just a little bit different mindset. Okay, I'm not playing today, but I have to stay focused in case I need to get in there late in the game or there's an injury or something. You know, that's another one of the the, the, the benefits of being in the postseason compared to the marathon that is the regular season. I'm curious, do we have a preference? I mean, by the time some people listen to this, it will probably know if it's Twins or Blue Jays. Do you have a preference? Right. <laughs> uh, ooh, Twins or Blue Jays? <clears throat> I think the Blue Jays are more dangerous because they have underachieved offensively all season. You know, they've got pretty good yeah. pitching, uh, especially in their rotation. Their bullpen is solid. We've seen that also. But they have just have not swung the bat like the league expected them to. So if they ever get their stuff together, they can be a very, very dangerous team. Um you know, as far as the Twins, the Astros have handled the Twins, but they've got some pretty good pitchers at the top of their rotation. Sonny yeah. Gray has had a tremendous season. So, uh, if I had to pick one, I mean, if you're if you're you're holding my arm behind my back, you're twisting my arm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say I would rather see the Twins, but you know, it's six half dozen. You you don't really know. Right. It, a lot of it could depend on how this series goes. But right. uh, that Blue Jays lineup, if they if they ever figure it out, man, they can score a lot of runs. Yeah, I think 
My personal feeling is the Astros will win no matter who they put in the DL in the mm-hmm. ALDS. I think it'll be interesting when we get to the ALCS uh, to see how things go there. But look, with the Astros' experience and depth, I think they're going to be the team to beat in the AL. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how they get there. Um, it's a yeah. it's a new whole see, new I, I really postseason. Think, yeah, I really think that the American League is up in the air. You know, there's not a dominant team in the American League. It's really going to be who gets hot. Um, you know, I don't know what the Vegas odds are, and I'm not a betting man, but I have to imagine <laughs> that they they're probably uh, there's not one dominant uh, you know great team um, that that would be getting all of the all the attention. National League, I think, right. is different. I think it's Braves oh, and everyone yeah. else. I don't even put the Dodgers in there with the Braves. Because no. I don't trust uh-huh. the way uh, I don't trust the way Dave Roberts and that organization runs their pitching staff in the postseason. Uh, I still think the biggest issue that they had all the way back in 2017, I think where they lost the World Series, could have potentially lost the World Series, was taking Rich Hill out in Game Two um, when the right. Astros had no chance whatsoever against Rich Hill that day. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the Braves have been so dominant. Oh this my year, gosh. Um, and they've just been, it's just, what else can you say? Other, I mean, when, you know, right. as many home runs as they've had, as many runs as they've scored, it's just, it's almost impossible to pick against them when it comes to any kind of, you know, World Series. Yeah. Ronald um, Acuna Jr. making a complete mockery ugh. of the sport. I mean, going 40 70, really? Uh, unreal. Oh my gosh. Well, just, I just quickly <laughs> looked, by the way. The Astros are the odds-on favorites in the American League. They're plus four fifty, yeah. um, followed by the Orioles okay. who are plus seven hundred. Uh, the Braves are plus two sixty to win it. So they're far and away the uh, the favorite to win the World Series this year, and yeah. rightfully so, as they absolutely should be. And I think the so, reason why the odds are so high for the Astros are because well, they're the Astros. You know that yeah. they are the you know uh, they've been to six straight LCSs. Um, you know, they're the, the reigning World Series champions. But I think if you look deeper into each team, um, I, I really don't think that there is a dominant team. Like I said before, yeah. now that you're in the tournament, now that you're in the playoffs, it's all about getting right. hot. If you get hot now, you can run the gauntlet. I tell you, uh, the Astros, I've seen people describe them as Rasputin. You just can't kill them. They're almost <laughs> impossible to kill. Right. You just keep after them and yeah. they just... They just keep beating you down. All right, last thing I want to ask you about. I I don't even like bringing this up because I hate bringing these kind of, this thing up. I'm this the subject has been beaten to death like a poor dead horse. But <laughs> last night PBS released a frontline documentary uh, about the Astros sign stealing scandal in 2017. It's called Astros Edge Triumph and Scandal in Major League Baseball. It's based on a podcast from PBS and a book written by Sports Illustrated writer Ben Ryder. You might remember Ben mm-hmm. because he was the one responsible for the 2014 cover predicting the Astros would be the 2017 World Championship uh, champions, which right. they were. And in the documentary, the couple of interesting things in there, he interviewed Antonio Padilla, who's a former video coordinator for the uh, Astros, um, who had previously not been interviewed. Houston Chronicle called it a fair uh, you know, and pretty balanced reporting overall. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I just want it all to stop. <laughs> you know, I'm just so tired right. of talking about it and hearing about it. 
Um, I just can't imagine fans are still, you know, desperate to hear more about the sign ceiling scandal of 2017. Yeah. Well, definitely not Astros fans. I mean, that's <laughs> but, fair. Um, that's you know, baseball fair. fans, you know, baseball fans, you know, um, I played for the evil empire. You know, I played for the Yankees, um, you, you know, uh, three World Series in a row. Uh, we went to five out of six, one, four out of I mean, you know, just the incredible run we went through. For and, sure. you know, being booed on the road really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, to tell you the truth, in a way, it's actually um, they're praising you, uh, you know, to want to hate you that much. Right. But uh, I haven't seen the the podcast. Obviously, I'm probably not going to see it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to any of this. But, uh, you know, you got to find you try and find reasons to hate good teams. You know, if the Astros after 2017 if they didn't go on this, this, you know, what we're calling this year, the golden age of Astros baseball, if they Mm -hmm. didn't go on this run, we wouldn't be talking about it. It would, it would just be a part of history, but because they've been good and they've consistently been good and been to six straight LCSs have won two world series. Now all of a sudden you're really trying to figure out a way to hate these dudes. Yeah. Because when you look at the team itself, when you get to know the players, they're very lovable. You know, uh, you know, the guy that takes the most heat is Jose Altuve and Jose Altuve is the salt of the earth. I mean, he is just a wonderful human being. Uh, And if people ever would, you know, get to know him or, or pay attention to what he does, it would be that much harder to boo. But that's not what this is all about. You know, fans fan is short for fanatic, which means you're a little crazy. And that's really what's going on here. Is it a coincidence that it comes out right now? Not in the least. Nothing happens by accident. Of course not. Of course not. I will say, too, they rolled Faye Vincent's uh, decaying corpse out to talk about it and say that he would have banned (laughs) all the players for life. Thanks for thanks for that, Faye. No one asked you. That's easy for him to say when he's not the one going through it. You know, because here's the right. thing, and that's it. Are you going to tell me the one of the main reasons why uh, nothing happened to the players was first they had to find out what was going on. Yeah. And without them not getting in trouble, they wouldn't have found out. No. And, you know, if you have to you have to remember in that postseason, both the Yankees and the Red Sox got in trouble also for using electronics. Um, yes not the way they were supposed to. And, you know, Major League Baseball, now listen, we're not, we won't get into what the Astros actually did. You know, did they go overboard? Absolutely. I mean, of course. It's, it's ancient history. But Major League Baseball also gave the technology to all the teams yes. and basically said, hey, just, just use it right, you know, yeah. in, in the heat of competition, you know. So exactly. to think that the Astros were the only team that were now maybe the Astros went to the only team that went to the extent that they did, but yeah. they were not the only team that was doing something. It always reminds and, me, and of like the, I said, all you have to do is look back at that uh, that playoff series that you know Joe Torre actually oh, you yeah. know got onto the Yankees and the Red Sox for not the same thing, but still using a technology in a way that it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I think, you know, it always reminds me of the old joke Damon Wayne's told. He said he said he had a friend that went to prison for something he didn't do. He didn't run fast enough. 
And I always feel like with the Astros, <laughs> the, the, right. the, 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 you know, they got caught and, you know, and, and, uh, and honestly, the trash can thing is just pretty funny when you go really down to it. I remember that yeah. first year when people were well, throwing. Well, people also inflatable. need to understand that they, this team, um, they were a juggernaut on the road that year. And uh, yes. um, I mean, even at the end of the season, even at the end of the season, go back. These, these are numbers. You know, I, I'm, I can't dispute these. They actually hit right. 10 points better on the road than they did at home. That was with the trash can. Okay. I know during the season. I mean, that was the year uh, Jose Altuve hit like 400 on the road, over 400 on the road. Yeah, Um, that's correct. They were not nearly as good a team at home as they were on the road. And I think that's, I think it all started innocently enough, just trying to figure out what was going on. Why were they so much better on the road than they were at home? And then things just kind of snowballed. Yeah, they sure did. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on to join me today, filling in for uh, my buddy Blummer, who I believe will be back next week. Uh-huh. Obviously, big week coming up, not just for the Astros, oh, but yeah. for you guys, getting to finally do some post-game Heck yeah. for the first time ever. That's, That's right. super we get to, cool. I mean, we always pay attention, but yeah, now we actually get to do it in front of a camera, and we get to uh, uh, you know, ride the roller coaster that is a Major League Baseball postseason with the fan base. Absolutely. Now, Blummer won't be able to do some of his customary, let's say, partying in the stands with fans. There will be some, maybe he'll have to be a little more subdued, perhaps before the post game. Yeah, we'll be in studio the whole time. We can't, we don't get to go out to the stadium. We have to be in studio. It's not quite as much. There might not be as much uh, uh, partaking in adult beverages as there might be otherwise as just a fan. (laughs) Nevertheless, I think it will be all good for the fans. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you again, Mike Stan, for being on today. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. As always, go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.